everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathman. And coming up, my guest this week is John Rothstein from CBS Sports, chock full of info that you will not want to miss. John is amazing, and he'll join us in just a moment. You know, normally we have our Jersey Mike's news and notes, but we're going to dispense with some of that this week because John Rothstein is Jersey Mike's news and notes. I mean, he's got it all covered for you on every conference. It's coming up in just a moment. But we did want to send our congratulations on to the Charleston Cougars, who have now won 18 consecutive games. That's the longest winning streak in the country. The Cougars are 19-1, and the only loss to North Carolina in the second game of the season. And that game, they were up by seven at halftime at the Smith Center. And also congratulations to the USC women as they pulled the upset over Stanford in L.A. last Sunday. Head coach Lindsey Gottlieb doing a terrific job in her second year at Southern Cal, 13-4. No stranger, of course, to the Pac-12, longtime coach at Cal. We got to know her a little bit in the NBA as she was an assistant coach with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but a huge win for USC over number 2 Stanford. Now the latest with John Rothstein when we come back after this from Jersey Mike's. Did you know Jersey Mike's freshly grills hot subs right in front of you? It's a Jersey Mike's thing. And did you know I, Danny DeVito, am wearing a very cool shirt? All statements about fresh grilling at Jersey Mike's are true, while statements about Mr. DeVito's shirt cannot be legally confirmed. Nonsense. It's a great shirt. Agree to disagree. I want a second opinion. The shirt is just okay. Who are you? A, a second opinion. opinion. Grilled right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Time for our annual check-in with the Encyclopedia of College Basketball. It's John Rothstein from CBS Sports. He hosts the College Hoops Today podcast, which Naismith fans is a must-listen to 52 weeks out of the year. You see him plastered all over CBS Sports this time of year. John, how are you, buddy? Great to be with you, Bob. I cannot wait for our next Epicurean adventure in New York City. You and me both. You and me both. We're always counting down towards our next meal, even if it is during the season. (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's get rolling. Um, Of course, here at the Naismith Awards, we're day-to-day watching our watch list candidates perform for our Jersey Mike's Naismith Men's Player of the Year Award. And after what Zach Eady did to Michigan State yesterday on Monday, 32 points, career high, hit the game winner, 13 boards, two blocks. It just seems like he's separating himself a little bit from the pack at midseason. What say you? Yeah, I'm with you, Bob. Zach Eady has, you know, transcended things for Purdue in the low post, and he's done it in different ways in clutch situations. You know, against Ohio State a couple of weeks ago, he read the defense, got a shot late in the game for Fletcher Lawyer, and then on Monday against Michigan State, he was the beneficiary from a Fletcher Lawyer pass that led to the game-winning basket. Simply put, Zach Eady is the Yao Ming of college basketball. There's another guy I wanted to ask you about because we see him quite often here, and that's Brandon Miller from Alabama. What a freshman year he is putting together. Well, he's a first-team All-American. He's done it at such a good pace because the game never gets too fast for him. And I think now when you're looking into the crystal ball, and you're forecasting things moving forward towards the end of the season, I think four players have separated themselves as first-team All-Americans. Zach Eady from Purdue, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, Jalen Wilson from Kansas, and yes, Brandon Miller from Alabama. That fifth spot is up for grabs, but Bob, you know as well as anybody, this is only January. 
I know. And speaking of January, it's a, a time, I think, when Jupiter must be aligned with Mars, with Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, all out of the top 25. But, hey, John, that's kind of where we are in college basketball these days, right? Parity reigns supreme, and I'll say this. In eight of the last ten Final Fours, we have had a seven-seed or lower qualify for the Final Four. I would not be shocked if history repeated itself April 1st in Houston. I wanted to uh, go through the conferences. We'll do quick hitters. Uh, you're chock full of info. Uh, let's start with the Big Ten. Uh, to me, it's you know it's sort of like you know obviously Purdue is at the top, but it seems like they all kind of look the same, sound the same, play the same. Uh, your take on the Big Ten right now? Purdue to me looks like right now the only Final Four caliber contender, but the Big Ten has the luxury and sometimes the detriment of having a league where 14 teams can all beat each other. That was reiterated last week with Minnesota beating Ohio State. You're a movie guy, I'm a movie guy. There's cannibalism in the Big Ten at an Anthony Hopkins caliber level. Yeah. Rutgers, what do you think? Rutgers has not won a conference regular season title since 1991 in the Atlantic 10 when Bob Wenzel was the coach. If you're a Scarlet Knights fan, that is within reach right now. Rutgers only trails Purdue by one game in the loss column in the Big Ten standings. They have the tiebreaker over Purdue because Rutgers has already won at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. Thursday's game between Rutgers and Michigan State, a pivotal one in the Big Ten race as everybody came from Purdue. Speaking of pivotal games, I did not have Clemson at Wake Forest circled before the season began, but here are the Tigers. They got back into the top 25 for the first time in forever. Brad Brownell has his club unbeaten in the ACC. Miami and Virginia chasing. Uh, your take on the Clemson Tigers and what you're seeing in the ACC? Well, I think what we saw last year with Ed Cooley and Providence was a team that came out of nowhere to become a national story. You're starting to see the same thing happen at Clemson this year. Brad Brunell has always been well-respected as a coach, but it feels like now, Bob, everything is coming together for him. They've got a great 4-5 combination inside with T.J. Hall and Hunter Tyson. Chase Hunter is one of the more under-the-radar guards in college basketball. Clemson, yes, Clemson, entering tonight's game against Wake in full possession of first place in the ACC. College basketball, where the unexpected becomes the ordinary. SEC, we mentioned Alabama and Brandon Miller. I wonder, you know, this Darius Miles thing is just so mind-boggling to us all, but uh, what effect they might have on Alabama, you know, where this – because really they are, they are quality through and through. Yeah, and NATO told me before the season that Brandon Miller was the most talented offensive player that he has had since he's been the head coach at Alabama. And, you know, he's definitely lived up to the building. But the ironic thing to me is this, Bob, when you look at this from 30,000 feet, you look at the totality of Alabama's chemical makeup, and we have guys like Miller, like Noah Clowney, like Jaden Bradley, true freshmen, all flourishing starting at a high level. In a lot of ways, Alabama is playing like a vintage Kentucky team under John Calipari because you have so many true freshmen playing big roles. That's not the case anymore with the transfer portal in college basketball. Yeah, and it seems, John, that the coaches who have embraced this as sort of the new reality, if you will, are the ones who are a little bit ahead of the game when it comes to retooling their teams. Do you see it that way? 
you adapt or you die. And I think if you stay in this part of the country, you're looking at certain teams really giving themselves a chance to continue to stay atop their conferences because of the transfer portal. Look at Miami in the ACC. Nigel Pack, Norchad O'Meara, one guard from Kansas State, one hybrid big from Arkansas State. The Hurricanes had a chance to be a second-weekend team for the second year in a row because of the transfer portal. Jim Laranaga is not hitting doubles. He's hitting walk-off home runs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Pac-12, UCLA sits atop. Uh, Arizona State, interesting challenger. Uh, with their ups and downs, um, your crystal ball on the Pac-12 race. Well, UCLA, for the first time since Mick Cronin has been the head coach in Westwood, is starting to resemble what he had at Cincinnati defensively. Bob, get this. In Pac-12 play right now, as of today, the Bruins are only surrendering an average of 56.8 points per game. Last week, in wins over Colorado and Utah at Foley Pavilion, UCLA gave up 54 and 49 points, respectively. And here's one of the most incredible nuggets that I have dug up this season. Under Mick Cronin, when UCLA gives up 65 points or less, the Bruins are 62-2, and and both losses came against buzzer beaters against USC. And that UCLA game was amazing. We were out there in L.A., and we watched this game, and holy cow, I thought the Trojans were going to get them at the end. That was crazy. And this is why, in my opinion, for UCLA to be a team that can get to a Final Four, have a chance to win an excellent championship, the return of a healthy Amari Bailey is going to be critical because Amari Bailey's return would allow David Singleton to return to his role as one of the best six men in the country, UCLA has to find a way to continue to get more offense out of its bench. you got to get Amari Bailey back, but you also need guys like Dylan Andrews, Will McClendon, to give you a little bit more pop in reserve. To the Big East, all Xavier does is win, John, 11 in a row. 11 in a row for Sean Miller's team, and, you know, it's almost been like a complete 180 from the Sean Miller that we saw at the University of Arizona in terms of the style of play. Sean Miller was a defensive-minded coach at Arizona. Obviously, had great success. Went to the Elite Eight three times out there. But, Bob, Xavier right now is scoring more points as a team than any team that Sean Miller has ever coached. And you thought Xavier was close last year under Travis Steele. Prior to the postseason, Xavier was 18-13. and 13. Six of those 13 losses were by four points or fewer or in overtime. Miller has flipped the switch. He's also, again, used the transfer portal to his benefit. Sule Boom, the grad transfer from UCF, I wrote about it on Monday. Right now the front runner for Big East Player of the Year. I need to mention uh, Houston. Uh, they've got the big one at Tulane on Tuesday in the American. I think Houston is on, on track to be one of those elite teams also. What do you see out of Houston? Well, typical Kelvin Sampson team, but I think the ceiling is a bit higher because you have a five-star freshman up front in Jarris Walker that can complement a Marcus Zaster, that can complement a Jamal Shedd, that can complement a Tremont Mark. And if you're Houston and you're looking right now at the big picture, this is a team that's playing to play the Final Four in its home city. And as we've seen over the past couple of years under Kelvin Sampson, when he gets into the NCAA tournament, as good of a tournament coach as there is in college basketball. 
Last year, he lost his two best offensive players. Sasser from on Mark goes to the Elite Eight. The year before, makes the Final Four. 2019, goes to the Sweet 16, loses to John Calipari in Kentucky in the Sweet 16. And in 2018, had Michigan on the ropes in the round of 32 before Jordan Poole nailed that deep shot at the buzzer to break the hearts of everybody in H-Town. Right. It would be something if they could could make it and, and play in Houston. Save the best for last. Uh, the Big 12, my goodness. Uh, Kansas, Kansas State uh, coming up tonight. This conference, I mean, every night, you don't have a night off. You, you take your life in your own hands every night in this league. Yeah, the Big 12 every night feels like one of those, you know, Riddick Bowie, Vander Holyfield fights from the 1990s that always goes to a split decision, and it's not going to get any easier. I think, you know, you have to look at certain storylines coming to the forefront. Obviously, Kansas reinventing themselves without a traditional center. You have to look at the job Jerome Tang's doing at Kansas State. But I think this TCU team on a neutral court is good enough to go to the second weekend and potentially beyond in the NCAA tournament. This is Jamie Dixon's best team since he led Pitt to a number one seed in 2011. And it it seems like they sort of fly under the radar. You don't hear a lot about TCU on the national scene. That could change this week, Bob. They've got West Virginia coming up Wednesday, and then Saturday on CBS they'll be playing Kansas. That is the game that TCU could use as a catapult to get more national recognition. Well, there you go. We will circle that one. John Rothstein, we just so appreciate you uh, for all you do, first and foremost for college basketball and what you do for the Naismith. We thank you, sir. Uh, This has been awesome. Thanks, Bob. Always great to be with you, my friend. That's it for this week. Make sure that you stay tuned for all those games that John talked about. We've also got some key women's games to keep your eye on. Duke, North Carolina is Thursday, and Friday night, Utah goes to Stanford. That's it for this week. Until next, Bob Rathbun from all of us here at the Naismith Awards saying so long.